Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. A little dreary outside of my home office today. We're getting a little rain up here in Fort Collins, but we always need moisture here in Colorado. And what a beautiful week we uh, we had. I'm going to be talking about some of the things I got out and checked out. I went out and checked out a bunch of local ponds. If you were following me on Facebook, Jerry Wickstrom Outdoors, you'd have seen uh, some of the results. And we have got a lot of fly fishing we're going to cover today. We're going to a huge part of the show is going to be devoted to fly fishing today. I think we're hitting some peak times when the fishing is going to be really good before runoff, and uh, we're going to take you around the state and check that out. Also got our parks and wildlife segments. Uh, I want to make a reminder, too, about rattlesnakes. You know, get, getting out on the trails right now, uh, people are trying to social distance a little bit, and a couple things are happening. One is people are moving over off the trails or eroding the trails a little bit, so be a little cautious of that. Let's take care of our resources. But remember, when you stay off that tra- step off that trail right now, it's rattlesnake season. We've uh, had reports of quite a few sightings. So let's be real careful with that. But we're also going to talk conventional fishing, camping, boating, hiking today. We've got just a lot, to, <clears throat> a lot to cover. So let's go right to the phones. Joining us from North Park Anglers up in Walden, Colorado, is Scott Graham. Good morning, Scott. Morning, Terry. How are you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, we're getting a little rain down here today, but that's okay. Uh, what's it like yeah. and what's it been like up in your area? Uh, it's a beautiful morning here. We got that same rain last night, but it, it's obviously moved its way uh, east and is getting to you now. Um, we got a beautiful bluebird day now, uh, but it's been warm. It's uh, you know been close to the 70s all week and windy, so we're getting a lot of snow melt and uh, rivers are starting to puff up and get dirty and um, start the spring session. Well, let's, we'll talk about that a little more in a bit, but let's talk about, do you have a lot of snow up above you yet? Oh yeah, we're still loaded. Um, and I think, you know, we probably got a little more last night, but, uh, yeah, all the peaks are, are, uh, still snow, snowy white. And, uh, I think we're going to have a pretty big runoff here towards the end of May. Well, and you know what, that's always needed. That'll make the fish healthy. I know it, it makes us change our tactics when we do fish, but the fish makes the fish healthy. It gives us water for our, our lakes and rivers. So two snow, two winters in a row with good snowpack, we're not going to complain. What, let's start with the lakes. What's going on, you know, in the Delaney's, Lake John, those lakes right now? Uh, yeah, they, they all um, uh, iced off about a week ago. And um, we're, you know, in that period between ice off and, and, and uh, turnover. Um, so they're, they're fishing pretty good. Uh, the the water temps are warming up daily. We're starting to see midge hatches, um, and so the fish are, are are feeding more and more each day. Um, I think as soon as these lakes can turn over, uh, they're going to get supercharged, and then the fishing's going to get really good. Well, I think too this time of year, I harp on it, and I I think you'd agree that with this cooler water, as we get right after ice off, you tend to get really good fishing from shore. You don't really even need to get out in a boat, right? Yeah, I mean, you you see that uh, um, the fish are cruising tight. I mean, that's where the warmest water is, and that's where uh, a lot of the insects and, and minnows and crayfish are going to be as well. So, you know, all those food sources for them. But, uh, yeah, anything from, you know, six to eight feet all the way to, to the shoreline, um, 
you can see pods of cruising fish pretty much daily right now, um, which gives, you know, uh, the angler from shore the advantage this time of year for sure. You know, one of the things I think a lot of fly fishermen, not maybe not a lot, but a number of fly fishermen get a little timid about fishing still water because they're used to fishing rivers where the river, the current positions of the fish and helps them present a fly. Um, and they're, they're a little, they, they lack sometimes the understanding of where the fish might be in still water and also what they have to do to make a presentation. But it's really worth spending the time to learn, isn't it? Oh, definitely. You know, the, the cool thing about lakes are that, uh, you know, for one, they don't, they, they don't blow out. Uh, I mean, the conditions are, are kind of the same. I mean, besides, uh, maybe some wind action or, or some, uh, hot days that might, you know, raise water temperature or, or cool water temperature, um, you know, the lakes are available every day. So um, that's that's uh, a benefit. The next benefit is going to be that, you know, the fish in lakes are bigger and they fight harder. I mean, they are they don't use as much energy to, to live like a, a river fish does, so they tend to get fat, and uh, that just makes more fun for, you know, the angler because you, you get to fight a heavy fish. Um, and then just learning, you know, you basically, when you look at a piece of water, um, you know, it, it, it's mysterious because what, what you really need to understand is what's happening below the surface, because like in a river, you can look across and see boulders and riffles and runs and that dictates where the trout are going to be. But in a lake, it's, you know, I think it's intimidating to people because, you know, they just, you know, you just look at this piece of water and how are you supposed to know what's going on? Um, but once you can start to figure out, you know, the habits of what the trout are doing, how they cruise, where they eat, uh, the different zones that they they uh, um, live in, then you can uh, start to have some success. And like I said, it's especially here on the Delaney Buttes. I mean, there's big fish to be had. Well, you, you're right. And you mentioned that in a few weeks we're going to see the river blow up. Not that you can't fish them, but it's going to get much more difficult and still water is such a great option during that period in fact it's one of the best times to fish our mountain lakes because the trout are still close to shore so it really plays well for that what kind of fish are you seeing uh, what kind of presentations are they using and are they catching some pretty good sized fish uh yeah you know right now we're seeing on uh like south and east delaney um we're seeing uh people catching more numbers um those fish have higher fish densities um, but they tend to be smaller and in north lake people are catching less fish but man we are seeing some big fish this year um, i've talked to multiple anglers that have caught fish in that 10 to 12 pound range um, lately and uh, you know during the day um, definitely playing the the um, indicator game where we're, we're fishing um, you know in anywhere between five to eight feet of water and we're hanging uh, leeches and coronamids and water boatmen uh, and scuds and eggs um, and basically just uh, preying upon those fish that are cruising. So, you know, you may sit there for a little while and then, uh, you know, a pot of fish comes cruising by and the action gets good and then catch a few and then, you know, wait for the next wave. Um, and then into the evening, um, fishing a lot of crayfish, uh, the fisher, it seems like they're coming in in bigger numbers uh in in either windy situations or or that um twilight time when the light gets tough and the fish feel safer to come tight because the crayfish are are thick in the shallows right now with the warmer water temps it just sounds like a great time to get up there and it's going to stay good in fact it'll just get better for a while let's switch to the rivers while we still have plenty of time 
you and I talked earlier, and you said the rivers were kind of up and down because you'd get warm weather, you'd get more snow melt, then you get a little cooler weather or, or different time of the day, and the water would clear again. Is that still the case? And kind of go through some of the rivers up there. Yeah, it, it totally is. I mean, we still have some uh, a fair amount of low-level snow, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, snow up to that uh, to where the basically the timber starts, um, and and that until that stuff is gone, we won't see like a window of uh, you know consistent flows before the big runoff. Um, so now you get a couple warm, windy days, and the rivers um, you know blow up a little bit, um, not like out of their banks flooding, but they you know it, it stirs them up enough that they get they become off color. So uh, what what you need to do really is kind of look at the weather and try to plan it after. You can see one or two cold days. That's going to clear the streams up, and then they're going to be awesome until they until they blow up again. Um, as far as the rivers go, the North Platte itself is is um, not like necessarily blown out, but it's it's muddy and uh, conditions are changing so much that it's it, the fishing conditions aren't very good. But all the little streams that feed the North Platte, like the Michigan and Illinois and North Fork and Roaring Fork and Big Creek, um, those are all you know, uh, have their time to shine, um, if you hit them right. Yeah. And they're just right now, it's just a great time. We've got maybe, what do you think? Two, three weeks before those really blow out to get out there and really do some small stream fishing and have a chance for a grand slam on those rivers. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now it's going to be a little bit tough because the brook trout are, are, uh, in some of those higher stretches where you're not going to get to, um, but, uh, definitely rainbows, browns and uh, a few cutthroats here and there. And how would you approach some of, you know, we're going to get some, it's going to be a little warmer Sunday, Monday. Then we're going to get it. We're going to get cool weather today. And then we're going to get a stretch of cool weather next week for a few days. So it might be a good time to, uh, to hit those rivers. And I suppose the presentation will just depend on what's going on that day. Right. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on flow here. Um, you know, if you get a decent amount of flow, um, then the fish are going to uh, kind of sit in the riffles and eat food that's on the drift. So, you know, nymphing can be good or, or even, you know, throwing like a dry dropper rig or something like that. Um, but if it's uh, the flows are lower um, and then the fish are going to be in the deep pools and they're not going to be necessarily feeding off items that are food items that are in the drift, they're going to be more, you know, opportunistic. So uh, streamer fishing, so that, that's where that comes in and, you know, making longer casts and just covering covering a lot of water, you know, hit a, hit a deep hole with a few casts and then walk to the next one. Um, and the further you walk and the more water you cover, the probably determine how, how well you do. Well, and if people are, you know, curious about what's going on that day or about, um, where there's public access and things, you guys at the shop can really help them. Let's, let's go through the shop a little bit. Um, are you guys uh, maintaining some form of being open during this crisis? Yeah, we are. Um, for now we, are not letting anyone in the store, but we uh, opened up a window along the side of our building. And, um, you know, it's kind of like going up to Chipotle and ordering your burrito. Um, you come up to the window and uh, we, we can get maps out. And we give, we've been giving people a lot of advice um, as well as selling flies and leaders and tippets and anything people need um, basically through the window. Uh, we just can't right now. We're just, you know, still unsure how this whole thing's going to shake out and we're, trying to take care of our people and our customers and our community and just kind of walking before we run with this thing. Um, but definitely open and helping people and the phone's ringing off the hook and 
um, yeah, anything we can do to help people out, we're we're here for them. What about um, your your website? You still doing fishing reports on there? Oh yeah, we update it daily uh, at NorthParkAnglers.com. Uh, we're you know we've got <laughs> plenty of time right now to keep that thing dialed in, so we're we're updating it daily. The other thing I want to talk to you about: you guys do a lot of drift trips once the the flow is right. Now, I assume you're probably not doing guide trips right now, but hopeful that those can start soon. What time of the year, the, what with the snow you see this year, when would you assume that maybe you might, if it's available, be able to start doing drifts? Um, we're, you know, we're shooting for for mid-June. Um, we're still trying to figure out how, how to operate that whole program safely. Um, obviously, it's, you know, you're in tight quarters when you're in a boat, um, but you are outside and the wind's blowing. Um, and then, you know, the put-ins and takeouts and shuttles, and that just presents a whole other challenge with this whole thing going on. But uh, we're hoping by June 15th that uh, uh, we can get rocking and rolling uh, with our flow trips and, and run that into uh, early to mid-July. Um, on a normal year, we'd be trying to start running trips, you know, uh, at the end of May, early June um, to attack that salmon fly hatch. But this year we're going to put it off a little bit just so we can try to learn and see what's going on and, and make good decisions. By the way, folks, if you want to see some of uh, these guys in action, I have a number of videos on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We we floated the North Platte. We fished uh, some of the tributaries in the North Platte walk wading. We we did some lake fishing up there. So there's a number of videos on the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. You guys always do a great, great job, Scott. You're so, so educational and working with people and giving them information. Give your all your contact information one more time before we let you go. Um, yeah, just northparkanglers.com is going to be the best resource. Uh, and you can feel free to call our shop at 970 and uh, we're in Walden, Colorado. It's a tiny town. You can't miss us. There's only a handful of businesses here, so um, we're easy to find. So if I come up tomorrow after this cold day today, should I fish the rivers or the lake? You know, right now I would be fishing the lakes just because, you know, when you if you look at, at, at everything we have to offer in North Park um, across the board, across the whole season, right now is one of the times where, uh, you know, the, the local lakes, Delaney Buttes, Lake John, Cowdery, Seymour, this is the time where they shine. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have a, a legit opportunity at a fish of a lifetime because they, they sort of have their guard down because they're cruising in tight to eat and they're accessible. So if it were me and I had one opportunity, that's where I'd be going. All right, Scott, thank you so much. Great, great information. All right, thanks for the phone call, and uh, uh, stay safe and healthy, and we'll talk to you again. Yeah, you too. You guys all stay safe and healthy, and hopefully we'll get back to more normal very soon. That's Scott yeah, Graham okay. from North Park Anglers. Yeah, just great, great guys. Hey, we'll take a quick time out, and we come out Parks and Wildlife. This is Greenwich. We're going to talk to something unique for the program, and that's wildflowers right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. That was a great segment by Scott Graham from North Park. We're going to have a lot more fly fishing coming up in the show. We have two more fly shops. We're going to have some conventional fishing, and I'm going to catch you up on uh, some of the ponds I went and visited. But right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us 
um, from the Cheyenne Mountain Friends Group is Pat Cooper. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Terry. It's it's a little rainy here today, but, boy, it's been a beautiful week. Um, Have you been able to get out and enjoy a little bit of the beautiful weather? Absolutely. Uh, Try to go out at least three or four times a week, enjoy the beautiful wildflowers that are blooming right now, the birds that are migrating through. So, yes, very much an outdoors person. And and that's what we're going to talk about in a minute. But tell people, maybe people aren't familiar with Cheyenne Mountain. It's a state park. Tell people just at least where it's located and describe it just briefly. Sure. Uh, Cheyenne Mountain State Park is located on the south end of Colorado Spring off of Highway 115. It would be kind of the southern boundary of the city limits. It offers about 28 miles of hiking trails. We have full service camp areas. We have some walk-up tent sites. We also have an archery range, state-of-the-art, and a frisbee course. And we offer many, many interpretive programs through the summer months. Well, and you with the friends or the Cheyenne Mountain Friends Group, and I know these friends of and friends groups of the different state parks really get involved with the parks. It gives people a chance to not only enjoy the parks themselves, but contribute back as volunteers, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, The Friends group here for Cheyenne Mountain State Park actually was started even before the park was opened, and we helped spirit um, the activities that had to get accomplished in order for Cheyenne Mountain State Park to become a state park which we finally became in 2006. So we're one of the newer parks in Colorado. And and it's a beautiful park. Now, you're calling today to talk about an event. Now, the note I got said Wildflower Week, but we're going to talk about wildflowers throughout the park throughout the season. One of the great things at Cheyenne Mountain is all the trails. and There's wildlife viewing. There's trails that change in elevation pretty drastically. They've got a new one open, I believe. There's a lot of trails throughout the park where you can just see nature and, and wildlife and, and flowers. And Colorado, if people don't know, is just really has an abundance of wildflowers. First of all, tell us, when is Wildflower Week? Is that on right now or is that coming? Uh, wildflower, uh, next Wildflower Week actually is the first week of May. And it is celebrated just to commemorate the beautiful flowers that are blooming throughout um, the countryside right now. So it started in 2016. Um, was started by Lady, our former First Lady, Lady Bird Johnson, at her Wildflower Center in Austin, Texas. And so, and that's to kind of just get people aware, uh, and then activities get planned at parks and other locations throughout the country, just to let, bring up the level of awareness, and especially maybe to get people in tune with what's available in their area. Now, along with that, you're doing a bunch of hikes. Now, I want to put a disclaimer out right away that <laughs> the, these hikes are scheduled to start May 13th, and we don't know what the restrictions and and what the advice people are going to be giving us about the COVID-19 virus. So these are going to be subject to change, but I, I have your flyer in front of me and starting, mm-hmm. starting May, um, you're doing one like every other Wednesday or something. you got the 13th and the 27th and June, the 10th and the 24th, 
July 15th and 29th, August 12th and 26th. And the time of these are 9 to 11 in the morning. So if and when these get started, and hopefully that will be in May here, tell us what these hikes will be like and what people would experience on them. Absolutely. Um, just to add to that, we don't know what we'll be doing on May 13th, uh, what what will be in place as far as the COVID-19. So if we are not able to physically go out and do the hikes, what we will end up doing is placing a copy of the wildflowers that are in bloom in partic- on particular trails in the park so that people can actually go out and take view them on their own if they so desire. We'll also attach some pictures so they'll be able to recognize them. So these hikes that are actually conducted by three uh, Native uh, master or three Native uh, plant masters um, every other week, and we cater to all ages, starting from children to whoever else wants to come out, and we talk about the flower that is in bloom at that time of the year and a little bit about the family of the flower. We talk about native plants and why they are so very important to learn about them and hopefully include them eventually in their landscaping. So it's more of an educational type program and we get, oh gosh, we get people from that are just learning about plants. They just want to know the difference between a white plant and a yellow plant and a green plant, all the way to some of our local botanists and professors from some of our local colleges here. So, now what's your what's your favorite what's your favorite wildflower, and what's one that you'll see the most this time of year? Right now, one of the flowers that is just so abundant at Cheyenne Mountain State Park is the past flower. Um, our past flower seems to be blooming a little bit later than some other areas in the state, but there are just hundreds of them, especially on Sundance Trail as of day before yesterday. So if you want to see some absolutely spectacular beauty, just take a little a walk out there and you'll be pleasantly surprised. And there's one more thing I want to ask you about, and that's there's some uh, phone and computer apps out there to help people there to identify things in nature, both animals and plants. One is iNaturalist. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, along with mm-hmm. the city project that was going on. But that would be a great right. tool if you were out walking these trails to help you identify some of these flowers, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, and it is so easy to use. It is a free application that is actually sponsored in part by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And what you can do if you don't recognize the picture, you can just take um, a photograph through the application and um, it will help you identify the flower from a selection of plants that were seen nearby or looks very similar to what what you're looking at. And it'll also keep a record of what you've seen in different locations because it'll automatically cite the location of where that flower was seen. So an absolutely right. wonderful, easy application to use. Pat, we are running out of time, but if people want okay. more information on this, where would they go? Is there something on the web or a Facebook page? Absolutely. There's a couple of places that you can take a look at. 
where we are at with our interpretive hikes, you can go to our website, friendsofcmsp.org, or go to uh, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Cheyenne Mountain State Park, and you'll find the same information. We'll give you an update as to when our interpretive pro- uh, programs will be open. And also, we will place a listing of the wildflowers as we see them on the site so that people can enjoy what they're seeing. All right. Sounds great. Sounds like a lot of fun. People are cooped up. They want to get out. They want reasons to go on hikes. And enjoying the wildflowers is just one more opportunity to get outside and get out of the house a little bit. It sounds, sounds terrific. Pat, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. All right, that's Pat Cooper from Cheyenne Mountain Friends Group. We're going to take a quick time out. We have another Colorado Park segment coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Um, Before we go to this next segment, I want to say stay tuned. We have another fly fishing update coming from St. Peter's Fly Shop in Fort Collins yet this hour. And next hour, we've got another fly update. Plus, we have Nate Zielinski with Conventional and Brad uh, Peterson joining us. We've just got a lot to cover today. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Travis Duncan. Good morning, Travis. Hey, good morning, Terry. It's a little bit of a dreary day today, but boy, it's been beautiful. And uh, people have been getting out. They've been really getting out, getting outdoors. I think so many people are off work in their home that uh, that they, they've they just had this desire to have some fresh air, to get outside. The Colorado's so beautiful. And I think there's a few things. You know, we talk so much about the COVID-19 virus and things like that, and we'll touch on that some. But there's also things we have to remind people because sometimes we get so focused on something, we need to go back and uh, give other hints. Like I've been reminding the last two weeks that this is rattlesnake season. You've got to really be careful when you're out there on the trails. But one of the things we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about is the status of uh, Parks and Wildlife's offices. Right now, a lot of your offices are closed. So if people were trying to come in and do something, it'd be difficult, wouldn't it? That's right. Um, our offices and visitor centers do remain closed right now to minimize the, the potential spread of, of COVID-19. Our staff is available by phone at our offices and, and statewide to answer questions. So, um, yeah, folks have questions, they want to call in. Uh, definitely encouraging that. I, I think, you know, we'll see uh, over the ne- over the coming weeks, you know, uh, plans rolled out for how we're going to uh, begin to, to open um, intelligently, um, you know, in, in areas. But but as of the time being, yep, our offices and visitor centers are, are closed to the public, but we do have staff available to answer questions. Well, and one of the things that people like to do, and I've seen it over the years, is they discover something in the outdoors or, or they, they think something's important, and they like to bring it to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Office. Sometimes that's just a great big fish that they want to, bring in there and, and have show it to you guys or or sometimes it's uh something an animal they've found or taken pictures of they want to identify that they don't know but also sometimes especially this time of the year there's a lot of young of the year out there and that can lead to some problems can't it it can uh, you know every spring um you know colorado just comes alive with with this abundance of new young wildlife across the state um and and this time of year, a lot of our offices will see folks, uh, well-meaning folks, who who they'll find a, 
a lot of times it's a fawn. Uh, they'll find, you know, a baby deer out on the trail or at, outside their home, and they'll they'll think that it's been abandoned. They'll think that it needs help, and they'll they'll bring it into our offices. And um, and it's just not the right thing to do. Every year we really try to remind folks um, that although you have good intentions, young animals don't need rescuing. They're prepared by nature to survive without that human intervention. They're they're fine most likely where they are. Um, you know, enjoy the wildlife from a distance. Use binoculars, you know, to check them out. Uh, that's that's what makes living in Colorado so great. Um, but but don't feed, touch, or remove wildlife from their natural environment. It's an important message we try to stress. Um, a lot of times, especially with fawns, what what you're witnessing is just normal behavior. It's it's the mother has gone gone out to forage. You know, has left has left the young fawn in a safe place, uh, and it's fine just to leave it where it is. And and you're welcome to enjoy looking at it, but but please don't don't interfere with it. Well, yeah, you don't want to get close. Well, first of all, nature has equipped these animals with survival techniques. Um, a lot of times the mother is either, like you said, out foraging or maybe even drawing predators away from the fawn. Um, and the lot, and for the most part, fawns don't give off any scent. They're, they're nestled down. They blend into the environment. So they're difficult for predators to find. Do predators occasionally take a small animal? Of course they do. That's part of nature. But for the most part, you're right. But as soon as you touch that fawn, you've almost given it a, a death sentence, haven't you? You have. You you leave your scent on it, uh, which which might cause the mother to actually abandon the animal, uh, or it could make it, that animal easier to find for a predator. Or uh, if you remove that animal from the location where you found it, then the mother might not be able to locate it again, even if you try to bring it back later. So all in all, it's just a bad idea to interfere with that animal. Um, what we tell folks is to to leave it be. If if it's been a few days and and you're still concerned, you're you're seeing that animal, then call our offices. You know, call your local Colorado Parks and Wildlife office. Uh, talk with somebody, and and you know, if it sounds like it's an issue, we need to check out. We're going to send a wildlife officer out to to investigate and and check on the well-being of that animal. So so that's the best advice we can really give. And it's really critical this time of the year because the, all the the deer type animals the the deer, the moose, the elk, um, all these are having young of the year in, within this time period, and they're going to be at different stages of development. And they're so fun to watch, especially when they first start to stand up and start to move around, and you see nature at its best. But your, your advice couldn't be better. Have a good pair of binoculars. Don't do anything to attract these animals, and certainly don't go up and bother the young, even if you think they're in distress. If it gets to that point, um, call somebody. Are there resources on the website at Parks and Wildlife for this? Definitely. Yep. Go to the, the website is cpw.state.co.us. Um, you can find plenty of information on on the website just from the home screen to link off to, to information about you know leaving young wildlife alone. Why why that's a very good idea. Why it's also a very good idea to not feed wildlife in Colorado. There's a reason that it's illegal. Uh, you know, puts animals' health and safety in danger. But we also have good wildlife viewing tips, you know, so um, so fantastic information on there. And also good information about, about all the different species you can find in Colorado, what makes them unique, um, how to live safely with them, how to, how to enjoy, um, you know, all the natural resources we have in the state. All right. Travis, just great information. We know people are out there. We just want to give them some quick reminders. You know, everybody's focused on the COVID thing, but we got to remember the fundamentals of being outside. Thank you, Travis, so much for joining us today. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Terry.
You bet. Travis Duncan from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk more fly fishing. Then next hour, we've got uh, conventional fishing and another fly fishing report from around the state. We're going to get you out there enjoying it. And then I'm going to do a wrap-up and talk about some of the things I was out doing at ponds and small bodies of water. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. An update on some of the other, on some of the fly fishing up in this area. And while we're waiting, oh, they're there. Let's go right to the phones now. And uh, Thomas Worcester from St. Peter's Fly Shop joins us. Good morning, Thomas. Morning, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in. We're glad to have you on. Wanted to get a report on the fly fishing up in your neck of the woods. And uh, St. Peter's uh, Fly Shop, you have two locations, of course, in uh, Fort Collins. Uh, We'll get to your contact information and how you guys are operating during the corona thing. But let's talk a little bit about we had some gorgeous weather, and now we got a little rain up here today, and things are changing. we got runoff coming. But I can't help but think there hasn't been some great fly fishing going on. What have you seen out there in your area? Yeah, so as far as, you know, kind of current conditions go, we're right at that kind of pivotal change in the season where it goes from, you know, low clear flows all the way up to, you know, big, big heavy water. So, um, you know, a really good time to be fishing right now, um, especially since, uh, you know, the fish are seeing a lot more food than they normally have been, you know, the rest of the season. So it's kind of time to get out there and get after it and, uh, you know, Another kind of thing that's coming around right now is going to be the the stillwater opportunities at the, you know, kind of in our area. So, yeah, yeah. just an no, overall. I, I really agree good with you. Thing. Yeah, I know you're a great stillwater, big stillwater fan. Let's get to that in a minute. But let's take the two big rivers in this area that people ask about all the time. Of course, are the Pooter and the Big Thompson. What are you seeing on the Pooter right now? Is it still fishable? And how long do you think before the flows take over there and it gets a little more difficult? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, right now we're looking at like around like 400 CFS up in the canyon, um, and, you know, that's gradually changing, getting higher and higher as the, you know, kind of we move closer to the peak of runoff, but, you know, it doesn't mean you can't catch fish, so it's just, uh, you know, adapting your ways and kind of switching up your bugs in order to kind of target those trout, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, the pooter's a little bit more subject to that being a natural freestone river, but, uh, you know, the big Thompson is another option that's in our backyard. It's just over there in Loveland. And, you know, they've got a little bit more of a gradual flow being at the top. It's a, you know, regulated tailwater with several, uh, you know, kind of pull-offs of water in between there. So, um, you know, really two great options for, um, some, you know, trout fishing around this part of the town. So how would you approach the pooter right now? And we'll go to the big T in just a minute. But if you were going to fish the pooter, you'd probably be focusing on browns. That seems to be the the, the major uh, makeup of the fish in that river. How would you approach yeah. what kind of What would you look for and what kind of presentations? Uh, you know, definitely bigger bugs. Like we're, we're fishing a lot of stoneflies and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's both, you know, on top and subsurface. So, uh, you know, going with those and just any of your larger bugs and what you're going to be looking for is that low and slow water. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, those fish are getting, you know, pushed off the sides in a, in a, a certain circumstance. So, you know, being prepared for that and having, you know, I mean, large dry dropper rigs or even nymph rigs are kind of the way we've been suggesting people 
go out there and fish. Now, on on the pooter, I have a couple questions for you before we move on to the Big Thompson. I was out on just mm-hmm. a walk yesterday around some ponds, and I saw a lot of small grasshoppers. And the lower reaches, do you think we're seeing those hoppers on the river already, or is it too early to even think about that? No, I'd say, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's always an option whether or not they're prevalent or not. Um, why I like to fish those big bugs is because it gives you the ability to set up a, a, a heavy dry dropper rig. So using, you know, a big stone fly underneath, a, you know, Colorado's favorite fly, the Chevy Chernobyl, um, is a great way to, you know, kind of go about things. And uh, as we get the waters a little more stained and muddy in the pooter, we're probably going to see those fish close to shore. One of my two things I always advise people when these flows start like that is one is, it might be well just to leave your waders at home and not take a chance in getting out there. And two, a lot of the fish are going to be right by shore. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I will say that, uh, you know, with these heavier flows and uh, that snow melt come, coming down the river, it is quite cold. So, you know, if you do go in the water, it's uh, wet wading is an option for the, you know, the brave and the strong-hearted. But I always have a pair of waders in the car ready to go. It is suggested, you know, I mean, especially as we get into the peak of runoff, you know, don't go in super deep into the water. Um, you know, it's just a dangerous time to be out there and, you know, sticking towards those shelves and stuff like that where the, the flows are a little bit less substantial and uh, a little bit easier to manage. Now, the Big Thompson, you mentioned, it's, it, acts, it is a tailwater, and it acts like it for quite a ways down, and it's dam-controlled, so you get a different flow. And the makeup of the fish there, probably a few more rainbows. There's browns, too, of course, than you get in the pooter. How do you approach the Big Thompson right now? Uh, it's more of a technical fishery. So, I mean, um, in relation to the, the, the bugs that you're throwing, they're going to be a little bit smaller. Um, you know, it just depends on where you're at in the whole system. Up top, I'd definitely be focusing in on, you know, tailwater-specific flies like scud, you know, small little, uh, you know, midges, stuff like that. And as you work your way down, I mean, you know, it's really just, uh, you know, sizing down on everything is what I, I would suggest for people to do. And and the Big Thompson, both the Big Thompson and the Pooter have quite a bit of public access. Now, if you were going to go river fishing, uh, which one of those, say if you were going to go tomorrow, we got this little bit of rain today, which could change the flows. Which which one of the two rivers would you go and how high up would you go? Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm always a sucker for the pooter. I just think it's a beautiful river with, uh, you know, some great views. And, you know, whether or not you catch some fish up there or not, you still had a great time and, you know, we're out in nature. So I'd say uh, heading up that way and, you know, I mean, anywhere from, you know, we, we like to mark it off at, the Mishawaka, it's a bar grill and amphitheater, real fun for a summer night. But I'd say getting up past there and working your way up to, you know, the mid to upper canyon would be my suggestion. Now, I know you're a big Stillwater fan. You love to get out and fish the lakes. In fact, you came from a bass and walleye type background from the Midwest. And even though you've mm-hmm. uh, really taken to fly fishing, you still love that. What, what's going on with some of the Stillwater? What are some of the lakes you might send people to? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, in that same realm, I mean, warm water stuff is really my favorite. It's just uh, what I grew up doing and what I know how to do the best, let's just say that. And, uh, you know, it's really easy because, you know, there's tons of lakes and ponds all around Fort Collins loaded with bass, bluegill, um, smallmouth, crappie, walleye even. So, you know, that's definitely an option for the folks that want to try something new. But uh, as far as still water goes and trout fishing, um, a great option for our local area here in Fort Collins is going to be the Red Feather Lakes up near uh, Livermore, Colorado. 
Um, it's about a 30-minute drive from us, and uh, several lakes over there offer some great fishing. You're right, and whether conventional or fly fishing, you can head up to those lakes. There's opportunities there. And uh, and I'm, I was talking to some other fly fishermen earlier in the hour, and we talked about how sometimes fly fishermen uh, get a little intimidated approaching still water because they're not sure how to locate the fish and how to make the presentation. Um, you know, because the stream helps them in the river. They see the creases and the flows and the boulders and the breaks. What's one of your biggest tips for fishing trout in still water, especially early in the year like this? What what What's one of the biggest mistakes they make or one of the best tips you can give an, a fly fisherman? Yeah, I'd say that's a that's a great way to kind of target it. It's It's different than a river in the sense that there's no moving component to it. So, you know, my biggest suggestion for folks that are new into the sport uh, or at least targeting stillwater trout is just keeping your bugs in the water. It's not so much of a casting game as more as it is a, you know, kind of a, a waiting game. So um, as long as you're confident in your areas that you're fishing and the bugs that you're fishing, keeping those bugs in the waters can be what catches you the most fish. So not making different casts or anything like that, just letting those drifts go out as long and far as they can. You know, and that's a great tip because in the rivers sometimes even we tend to see the fly in the air too much and not in the water enough. But in lakes, those fish tend to be, trout tend to cruise quite a bit, and sometimes they'll come through in pods. And by if you don't have your fly there, you're going to miss that timing, and that's just a great tip. Before we let you go, yeah. um, tell us about St. Peter's. You guys have two stores. How are you faring during the COVID? Tell us about your stores and what's going on with you guys. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's definitely a weird time to be operating as a business, but, uh, you know, we're just trying to dodge each hurdle as they kind of get thrown our way. The good thing about, uh, you know, fly fishing is, you know, it, it gets us outside and it kind of separates us from folks as long as, you know, you're not, um, you know, in too popular areas. But, yeah, we're just trying to do our best here to get people outfitted and be able to go enjoy those experiences, um, you know, while they still can and, uh, you know, having some fun while they're doing it. So, Right now, we are doing kind of curbside pickups and scheduling appointments to come in the shop. So um, it's one of those things that we're just trying to keep it safe and, you know, do as best as we can as a community to um, kind of prevent anything from happening. Now, how do they get a hold of you? How do they take advantage or contact you guys? Yeah, so there's there's a couple options. I mean, our, our online store is open and it has a... a mostly all of our products on there. Um, so you could place an online order or calling 970-498-8968. Uh, gets you through for uh, over-the-phone orders. Um, that's kind of the easiest way so we can kind of assist you and answer any questions that you might have. Yeah, and if you have some, if somebody's headed out to one of the rivers or lakes around the area, I'm sure they can get online, get your phone number, or call you, and you guys are more than happy to help them out, right? Yep, and as uh, kind of restrictions start loosening here in Colorado, we are uh, starting to look at guiding again. So that's another big uh, up-in-the-air kind of question. And I think as of uh, yesterday, uh, we we do have the option to. So um, it's something that uh, we want to make sure people are getting out there and doing the right things. We are taking every precaution that we can as an outfitter to get people out there safe and healthy. All right, well, great resource for the – fly fishing up here in the northern front range give out your website one more time yeah it's just stpetes.com that's s-t-p-e-t-e-s.com all right thank you thomas for helping us and hopefully a lot of people get a hold of you and they'll get out and take advantage of some of the good fly fishing what do you think we got a couple weeks till runoff starts really hitting us 
Yeah, I'd say peak would uh, generally be May. May 20th is around there. Uh, so I'd say, you know, a good, good couple of weeks before we really start seeing that big water. All right. Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you again soon. All righty. Thank you for the time. You bet. That's Thomas Worcester from uh, St. Pete's Fly Shop here in Fort Collins. Two locations. You know, patronize your local shops. These guys need your help. And as we come out of this, we're going to need them strong and there to help us. We'll take a quick time out. And Nate Zielinski will join us on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> 